one of the things I'd call out is there are misconceptions amongst leaders today. Many leaders think that they're far more trusted than they actually are. What that suggests is there's a gap in understanding in terms of how trust is built and how we're earning trust. So we have work to do as leadership to really dig into where we might be eroding trust and not really understanding that. Welcome back to the Me Sweet Podcast. I'm Donna Peters. Let's get in there. This episode of the Me Sweet is going to focus on such a critically important topic. It is the topic of trust. If you are a longtime Me Sweet listener to our prior four seasons, you know we focus a lot on core values, and many of you have core values of trust on your list. Today, we're going to talk about elevating the human experience and how organizations can connect with the humans they call both customers and employees, both the business side and the personal side of building, predicting, and measuring trust. And to that end, I have two guests today that are joining me. They are the authors of the book, The Four Factors of Trust. I want to welcome Ashley Reicheld and Amelia Dunlop to the Me Suite. Donna, thank you so much for having us. We are thrilled to be here. Yep, it's great to be here. Thank you, Donna. Wonderful. Now, I am particularly impressed. Ashley and Amelia are both principals at Deloitte Digital. Ashley is the creator of a tool that we're going to talk about today called the HX Trust ID, HX standing for human experience. And Amelia is the chief experience officer. Ashley and Amelia, you may know that I have a long history with Accenture and you are Deloitte. It's a little bit like Coke and Pepsi here today, having a conversation, is it not? Absolutely. (laughs) I have extreme respect for the work that you have done. I have read this book. I know how much work went into it. So uh, congratulations on the milestone. Thank you. I feel like it's much more about, uh, you know, professional, three professional women having a a conversation. Thank you for having us. I love it. Well, let me dive in. I want to start with the basics. I want to start with what are the four factors of trust and how did you decide from your extensive research that these are the four? When you think about how people build trust, it is all about making and keeping good promises. So as an organization, if you want to build trust with your customers, with your partners, with your workers, you need to make and keep good promises. We describe making good promises as humanity and transparency and your ability to keep those promises as capability and reliability. Those four together are the four factors of trust. And I think the thing that we would add is, like you, we've been uh, paying attention to this space uh, for a long time around trust. And we're not the first ones to offer uh, an explanation or a definition of it. We recognize that when we started out on this, uh, we looked at all the different ways in which trust has been defined. And we also noticed that whenever you ask someone about what Uh, do you mean by trust? Mm. You get a wide variety of different answers, right? So if you ask 10 executives, you might get 10 different answers. And Mm. some might just say, you know what, I know it when I I see it, or I know it when I feel it. Uh, And that's why we thought it was important to really break it down into kind of four factors that are really predictive of trust. Yeah. You talk a lot in the book about examples of most successful companies in the trust space, least successful companies in the trust space. What separates the two? Can you give us some examples of what makes a company most successful, what's least successful? Absolutely. So in in the research that we did, we found that there was a group of, of companies that are the most trusted. And within that, there are three different archetypes of how you can earn trust. One group 
is highly capable. Um, we think of those companies like Energizer and Energizer, you can even picture the Energizer bunny, highly, highly capable, some, something that you can trust. The next group are those with a very high degree of humanity. And those would be companies like the Cleveland Clinic where they're very patient-centric. It's all about your journey and how we can help you. And then I think the the third archetype are truly the ones that lead the pack. And those are the companies that outperform on all four factors. Those are mm. companies like Marriott. And we would say that the secret sauce there is that they deliver on humanity and importantly, transparency, which many companies seem to forget. So if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Ashley, you're the one who went diving deep on the transparency factor in wanting to be more like the Dutch. Was that you that I read in the book? <laughs> well, my partner is Dutch. I'm an honorary Dutch woman, I would say. <laughs> it's a great example. The Dutch The Dutch have a word called bespreekbaarheid. It basically means anything that can be talked about should be talked about. And their definition of transparency is that anything you need to know, you should say. So th- what I loved about this example, when you talked about yourself in the book is you're doing a really nice job of balancing what trust looks like in an organization, the Marriott example. But then the truth is organizations are made up by individuals. So what is it individually at the human level? And for Ashley, it's be more like the Dutch on the transparency dimension. So I really like that a lot. Well, on the, on that same one, actually, Amelia has a great concept on humanity because I think, Amelia, yours oh. would be be more human. Yeah, no, that's totally true. And I think you picked up on it, uh, Donna, where we we realized that we wanted to uh, develop a measure of trust that leaders like ourselves could use uh, from an organizational perspective for, for their customers and for their workers. But it actually had to work for us as individuals, too. And that's why we think the four factors really do that as an individual, but also at the organizational level. But to Ashley's point, um, I think one of the things that I really try to aspire to be is a uh, is a is a um, kind of a, a more human leader, um, and what what that means for me, and in, in terms of showing up with our teams, showing up in our organizations uh, with kind of more authenticity and a little bit more vulnerability than than we might perhaps have done in the past. Yeah. So I do want to flip to the negative side, though. We talked about what elements of the what are the four factors. How do those four factors show up for organizations that are successful? What is happening in the least successful organizations? Where is it breaking down? One of the things that we observed, Donna, is that um, uh, trust has actually been declining uh, for the past 40 years, which is pretty much as long as we've both been alive. And this is whether you look at it at different institutions, governments, kind of medical um, uh, and in business. And what we've noticed is um, that you know trust is uh, something that's very easily lost and that that's why it's so important to, as leaders, be much more intentional about how we build trust. Um, and so organizations um, can actually use the four factors to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And on an organizational level, there were unfortunately companies that sit at the bottom of this scale. We break those into two different categories. You have the truly distrusted brands. And these are brands that actually have a negative negative trust score. So an average trust score, negative one. Um, in some cases, these are companies with limited competition. So they don't have anybody that's forcing them to really improve their game, so to speak, and have gotten away with perhaps being a little less human or a little less transparent, a little less capable. And then you have a really interesting segment that we call ambivalent neutrals. These are companies that aren't trusted or distrusted, but rather people have no opinion. And what was really surprising to us is that most of these sit in the financial services sector where you have to have a company, you have to have a bank, and you're literally giving your life savings to this bank, which you don't trust or or distrust. Wow. 
with the decline in trust, if you look around, how often do you find yourself trusting the media that you're reading or trusting the government or even trusting others to social distance during the pandemic? Yeah. We have one element on be human, be transparent, and those are all under your intention. And then the be capable, be reliable, all under competence. Am I, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. Could we go into each one of those and give examples of what are actions that move the needle meaningfully on each one of those four? So I'm happy to jump in and start with humanity. Um, And it's, this is one of those factors where um, we had a hypothesis going in that um, humanity would actually drive a lot of um, behaviors uh, from a kind of customer acquisition or employee acquisition perspective. Mm -hmm. But what we learned was humanity was actually um, most important in retaining a customer. So they're 280% more likely to stick with you after you know, a disappointing event or um, or a mistake if you're high in humanity. So one of the things that we think you can do to really drive your humanity score is to you know to be kind, um, mm-hmm. to to be fair, uh, to be equitable, um, and to uh, to make sure that if there is a mistake, uh, apologize for that mistake in a way mm-hmm. that make, that feels very human. You know, and then we often you know talk about examples in the you know in an airline situation, which we can all identify with. It's, you know, don't, don't separate, you know, the parents and the kids um, and, you know, take that extra moment to um, it uh, when it really matters to, uh, yeah. to, to show up with authenticity and, and kindness. Yeah. Love that. The other things that sit in humanity that companies might consider are things like taking care of your employees. Customers mm-hmm. are paying attention. We, we know that if you're not very nice to your employees, you're probably not going to be very nice to us either as customers. So that's a, a big marker. Similarly, it's hard to trust companies who don't take care of the environment with the same mm-hmm. kind of concept. So sustainability and greater greater societal good sit there too. Yeah. You're really pulling together all of the elements of triple bottom line, aren't you? That's well said. Yeah, amazing. Let's switch to a transparency uh, beyond being Dutch. Well, transparency <laughs> is one of my favorites, as you can tell. I am, In fact, I often start conversations with my own team saying things like, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but (laughs) transparency is really important because it's hard for workers to do their jobs if they don't understand why they're doing what they're doing. And as customers, you need to have information in order to make a good choice. So transparency is when a brand openly shares all the information motives that they have in straightforward and plain language. And companies really get trapped up here. You can imagine, for example, logging into the website and when you set up your first account, you have to read through five pages of legalese about what you can and can't do or what they yeah. can and can't do with your data. And that's just a hard way to communicate with people. We don't we don't work that way. And frankly, we don't have the two extra years of our lives to go through all those contracts mm-hmm. all the time. So if you want to demonstrate transparency, it's making sure that you are being accurate and upfront about what you're marketing and communicating. It's being upfront about how you're making money off of interactions. Mm. helping people understand how and why their data is used and being really clear about products and fees. I know I mentioned Marriott as being a particularly transparent company. And I think a really good example of that is how they show fees. Hospitality companies are notorious for hidden Mm. fees, right? Resort fees that you get hit with at the last minute. And Marriott's one of the few companies where when you click a button, you can actually see all the fees that go into that bill. Okay. Oh, I didn't know that. I was in a Marriott last night. I'm going to go look at my bill today. Go online. You can click the box and check it out. You know, the other thing I would say that companies tend to get wrong here is 
um, the level of communication, we really emphasize simple and we call it relevant transparency. If you okay. think about um, going to a restaurant, for example, let's say you want to go to a farm to table restaurant. It's great to know where the food is sourced from. It's cool to hear the story about the farmer and his or her wife. Um, and uh, you just got to be careful. You're not giving people too much information. We don't mm-hmm. want to know, for example, the name of the particular pork chop we're eating or how that right. animal was processed. So if I'm an individual in the workforce with colleagues, direct reports, superiors, what about me as an individual at work and struggling with what is too much to share uh, versus how do I show that I am a human? It's a great question, Donna, because I think many of us balance the equation of how do I make sure people have the right information without having them bear the weight or the responsibility of all the big things that happen above and beyond them. Because right. certainly you don't want to, to have everybody feel the weight of the world as part of your job as a leader. So it is a very careful balance. From an organizational perspective, one of the things that we've seen companies do well here, for example, is publish things like performance bands or compensation bands. Being able to demonstrate, we trust you to use this information wisely. And so here, mm-hmm. therefore, is the information, is the message that we're trying to send. Okay. Yeah. I just yesterday had one of my executive coaching clients. She was really struggling at a new company, learning a new culture because one of her colleagues had come on Zoom, let's get to know each other and was asking a lot of questions about, well, you know, tell me about yourself. You know, who lives in your household with you? Do you have any kids? Have you ever been married? And it was perceived as too much right asking mm. too much and may, maybe maybe moving a little too far into the sharing and transparency and it made me start to think about your book and it made me start to think is there a time element to building trust that or how how important is time in building trust does it matter that i've just met you and i feel that i can trust you immediately is your data and research finding time is an important component what we find that? is that trust is many interactions altogether. So it's not okay. something that you can just earn and put away. It doesn't work that way. You have to uh-huh. continually keep earning it. And it is unusual, I think, for many of us to trust off the bat because we are coming from such a low place of trust. Our, mm-hmm. our, in fact, using employees, almost 50% of employees don't trust their employer. So recognizing that you're probably starting with a negative perception, deserved or not, Mm-hmm. Is, a, is an important influencer for with how, how you want to engage. What I really like about what you're describing for your client is he or she was trying to demonstrate their humanity to some mm-hmm. degree. I want to know about you. I want you to know about me. It's an important message to convey to people that you're not just looking at them as a worker, but you want to understand their whole authentic self, which is yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. But what's interesting is the other person wasn't ready to share. You have to make that, you have to meet people where they are is the truth of the matter, right? You can't, you can't assume that everybody wants to share exactly the same way you do. So you have to be cognizant of what's going to make them comfortable or not too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think another thing that we, that Ashley and I often talk about, particularly in the workplace is that you have to give trust in order to get trust. Um, And I think that is the kind of thing that is built um, over time and actually comes back to, you know, our four factors when we think about capability and reliability that perhaps in that specific example, that that individual needed to demonstrate um, over time reliably what it meant that they were going to show show up as more human. And then there was a reason why they wanted to get to know them as an individual, not just as a worker. 
Right. You know, Amelia, that strikes a thought for me, which is if you think about the business world, most companies first demonstrate capability and reliability. Those are really table stakes. You're not going to get on a plane that you think is going to fall out of the sky. You have to know that it's going to get you to your destination and that you're not going to wait 10 years to, to make that happen. I think that's probably true of personal relationships too. Believing that the other person is capable and reliable is a baseline for for creating a relationship where you can be transparent, where you can be more human. Yeah. This is wonderful because we were just talking about the be human, be transparent, and then the other two were capable and reliable. Can we go into those for just a moment? I understand what it means for a company to show that they're capable, for a company to show they're reliable. But what about me as an individual? Well, I think it's it's really the same thing. So the, the definition of capability that we use, it's either individually or as an organization delivering mm-hmm. quality right? It can be a quality um, from a product, an experience, or a service. And as individuals, we have the opportunity to deliver um, high quality or not, just mm-hmm. in the same way that an organization um, has that, that ability. Uh, so to make sure that anything you're doing, do it really, really well. Yeah. yeah. And if you think about it from a leader perspective on capability, you want to be showing that you follow through on your stated goals. You want to be showing that you're giving your teams the tools and technology and resources to be able to deliver themselves. And you want to be able to do that consistently. You want people to be able to count on you. Um, and that is both in terms of work quality, but also in raising issues. I want to know that I can come to you if I have a challenge and that you'll help me sort out that challenge. And then just moving very into reliability, again, it's about consistency. It's about uh, really the, the time after time. Um, to your point, um, the fact that trust is earned over time, that's okay. where, where the reliability factor really comes in. Yeah. One of the coolest parts about our research is that we found that trust is a huge predictor of behavior in a very meaningful way. On the worker side, for example, workers who trust their employer are... are motivated to work versus just 30% who don't. They're 50% less likely to go look for another job. And it's correlated with a much longer tenure and higher degree of satisfaction. On the customer side, almost 90% of customers who trust are going to buy again. And 62% are those going to be loyal. So we know that trust drives behaviors. And we encourage companies to start with your workforce, build your worker trust, they in turn will deliver on customer trust and increase customer satisfaction. And that in turn will deliver business results. Well, and the thing about those business results, Donna, is um, those those organizations that are the most trusted mm-hmm. um, outperform their competitors by up to 400%. So it's wow. not just about driving the behaviors with your employees and your customers, mm-hmm. but it's about driving the outcomes that we all care about as business leaders. Yeah. This is so timely and so relevant. There were so many things that you could have been doing with your time during COVID, and you decided to focus it on a book about trust. Why this book? Why now? For that one, I might kind of rewind the clock a little bit, which is, you know, Ashley and I were both part of a leadership team that about four years ago set an aspiration to elevate the human experience. Um, And for Mm -hmm. us, that really was, you know, we don't wake up as customers. We don't wake up as employees. We wanted to take a much more human-centered approach to everything we do. And then it was was really March 2020, uh, right as the pandemic started, that Ashley and I um, started doing research on human experience and how behavior is changing during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, and right away, we learned in that research that trust, safety, and connection were three really important themes. And in particular, trust uh, was, was a predictor of behaviors. And that's what led to uh, the writing of this book and actually creating the HX Trust ID. 
Well, and Amelia's forgetting to mention that she was writing a book at the time too on how you <laughs> elevate human experience. And we realized that in order to do that, you have to be able to develop trust. Mm-hmm. For my part, I've been fascinated by human behavior as long as I can remember. And we like to say that trust and loyalty are in the family. My uncle has created a, a measure called the Net Promoter System, which many have heard of, which yes. is a measure of loyalty. And I grew up on a Christmas tree farm where we often had an honor system and trusted people to leave their money when we weren't there taking wow. their tree at home. And largely people did that. So trust and loyalty have always been very important. And working together, we know that they're critical for being able to elevate experience. Yeah. Do you find that one of the four is more unnatural, more difficult? Well, I can tell you that companies and individuals tend to be better at some than others. Mm -hmm. So it is unusual to see a company that is not at least somewhat capable and reliable. Those companies tend to go out of business. Um, It is more difficult for companies to be vulnerable. We we like to think about trust as being built in moments of vulnerability, right? I'm opening up myself to, to... to you. And in that moment, I'm earning your trust. The The street doesn't like vulnerability. So it's hard for companies to make themselves vulnerable. And we like to say that transparency is the best way to do that. It is the corporate version of vulnerability. And typically companies do struggle there because it is such a, such a move from where they are today. Okay. And so what that really means is if a company is struggling with transparency, that means the individuals, the leaders in the company are struggling with transparency. And that's something that we and listeners right now can be moving a needle on if we recognize it isn't this glob called the company, it's me. Is that fair? It is. And I, I mean, one of the things I think about is you you opened, Donna, by talking about how many of our organizations hold a value of trust. And also as individuals, how many of us would say that's something that we really aim uh, towards. Right. But then h- how few organizations actually have a way to operationalize, how do you actually build trust? Um, and so that's why we think it's, it is so important to be able to break it down for leaders like ourselves. Like we wanted something that we could use. And I think one other thing I would, I would stress to your, to your point about what's harder, I think mm-hmm. it also depends on industries, right? So we do know, oh. for example, that both healthcare um, and travel and hospitality, you know, that humanity influences customer behavior a lot more in those industries for obvious reasons, right? When you're going in to see your doctor or your nurse, it's literally your health uh, or your child's health that you're that you're concerned about. You want to, to choose um, a hospital or healthcare provider that is higher in humanity, so that it does also vary by industry. Yeah. So digging into the leadership concept just really quickly, mm-hmm. one of the things I'd call out is there are misconceptions amongst leaders today. Many leaders think that they're far more trusted than they actually are. On oh. the employee side. Employers overestimate employee trust by about 40%. And on the customer side, leaders overestimate their customer trust by almost 50%. What that suggests is there's a gap in understanding in terms of how trust is built and how we're earning trust. So we have work to do as leadership to really dig into where we might be eroding trust and not really understanding that. Yeah. This is why we've, we're encouraging people to use the HX Trust ID. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's, the, it's based on the four factors we've been talking about, and it's right. just four questions. And as a leader, you can pulse that with your teams or with your customers and really immediately get to, okay, how much am I trusted and why? And in a glance, you can start to see what it is you need to do in order to be more trusted. And yeah. just, I would note, this is a free open source tool. We've put it on the web. It's easy and free for anybody to use, and we encourage them to do so. Yeah, that's what's so amazing. So HX Trust ID, HX standing for human experience, 
And uh, the book goes into a lot of detail about the science and the research that went around the creation of the tool. And then the tool itself is made available in an open source format, which is pretty incredible. So we call the tool the HX Trust ID. Mm-hmm. Are you trusted? Get it? You can find that it. on fourfactorsoftrust.com. And on the website, you can download a survey. The survey questions themselves. You can download a chapter from the book. And you can also get access to the data itself and go play around with scores by industry and category and see what you can learn. Okay. I will have the link to that also in the show notes. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay. So in the Me Suite, we end every episode with what I call a sweetener, a little play on words here. And it's really advice for listeners of things that we could start doing differently on Monday. What practical advice do you have for us for things we could start doing differently on Monday to move a needle on trust? I think... Um, there's two things that I would say. Um, the first one would be, you know, in whatever, you know, surveys you have, uh, in your organization, first of all, you got to stop asking the question, uh, do you trust my leaders or do you trust me or do you trust the organization? Because we know there is so much bias, um, and that you're just not going to get any, any meaningful data in that question when you ask, ask it directly. Mm -hmm. So then I would say that uh, the next thing that I would encourage you to do is to actually start asking the right question, which is okay. uh, the four factors of trust, uh, which, as Ashley said, are kind of open source and available to start measuring something that will actually help predict behavior. Yeah. Because we think it's so important uh, to measure the reliability, the capability, humanity, and transparency. And that's what's actually going to help you as a leader change the behavior in your own organization. Yeah. Wonderful. I mean, I would add to that for starters, start measuring it. Just use the first question, use the four questions on Monday, use the HX trust ID, whether that's on a personal level or a company level, it's, it's there, use yeah. it. But I would also say on an individual level, some of the, probably the best piece of advice I had ever gotten was from a woman named Jill Wyatt, who's now the CEO of Madison Industries. Okay. And over lunch, she told me, Ashley, the one thing I think you could do even better is to make yourself vulnerable. And at the time, this advice really didn't stick for me. It was a very male-dominated, tough environment. And I'm thinking, why would I make myself more vulnerable? Aren't I already vulnerable in this environment? And what she was really saying was, to some degree, you have to make yourself open. You have to be able to give that trust. And you have to demonstrate to people your authenticity and let them in in order for them to trust you. And she was absolutely right. So think about ways that you can make yourself vulnerable for your teams in order to start building that trust. Wow. I am going to uh, read a quotation from the back of your book that um, I just felt very fortunate to have found at the time that I found it because I think it was so, so beautifully relevant for the MeSuite community. I'm going to read it. The four factors of trust will enable you to create the relationships you want to build, the organizations you want to belong to, and the world you want to live in. And it is so directly relevant to uh, what I am trying to do here as we build the MeSuite community. You are international treasures, Ashley Reicheld and Amelia Dunlop. And I really appreciate you sharing yourself with us today. Thank you for joining the MeSuite. Donna, thank you for having us. I can honestly say you've made our day. Yes, thank you. It was a pleasure. Until the next topic, this is Donna Peters. Thank you for joining me in the MeSuite. 